Have you been told you need to stop doing what you love, whether it's exercise, running, or a sport? Well, here at Dynamic, we don't like that answer. In this podcast, we'll talk to leaders in the health and wellness space from Southwest Florida to get the solutions you need to get you back to doing what you love. Welcome to the Dynamic Naples podcast. Hey, what's going on? It's Dr. Chris here. I have been talking about doing this podcast for a while. I finally have gotten around to it. It's very dense. Um, and I'm going to do my best to make this as succinct as possible because there's a lot of information. So iron imbalance. So iron, like most substances we consume, is on a U-shaped curve, which means that you can have too much or too little. Too little can result in iron deficiency anemia, and too much can result in iron overload. So I'll go over anemia first, because anemia is by far way more common than overload. It affects about 2 billion people, and the symptoms can range from severe fatigue, tachycardia, which is basically rapid heart rate, palpitations, restless leg syndrome, frequent infections, poor cognitive function, reduced exercise tolerance, inability to maintain by temperature, brittle or spoon-shaped nails, and sores at the corner of the mouth, and something called pica, which is a desire to eat non-food substances. In fact, even like chewing ice is basically considered pica. It's like your body is trying to find iron. So there are three stages of anemia, um, and ferritin, by the way, is the most sensitive marker for iron status, which I'll get into a little more later. But uh, at stage one of iron deficiency anemia, you're probably asymptomatic, and your ferritin is going to be sitting around 10 to 15 nanograms per milliliter. Uh, Once it gets under 10, that's stage two, and that's usually where symptoms will start. Uh, It can then progress to stage three. And this is basically why I like the functional medicine approach, because it tended to catch processes at stage one before you need to do something that's more drastic. Okay, so what causes deficiency? There's basically two main categories. Either you have an increased demand for iron, or you have a decreased intake or poor absorption of iron. So some things that can increase demand are heavy menstruation, pregnancy, fibroids, GI bleeds, a recent surgery or an accident where you have excessive bleeding, uh, excessive blood donations, and then there's medications and supplements such as pain relievers with aspirin. And then there's also lead and metal poisoning. Some things that can decrease intake or absorption are being on a plant-based diet because it's hard to get iron from plants. Not that it's not possible, But there are chemicals in plants, such as phytic acid, which will block your absorption of iron. Um, So some foods that inhibit absorption. Medications such as PPIs or proton pump inhibitors and calcium supplements, basically because it reduces your stomach acid and intrinsic factor. So you you actually pull more or less iron from the food that you're eating. Uh, Celiac disease, Crohn's disease, autoimmune disease and hormone imbalances. Okay, so that's sort of a broad stroke on anemia. Iron overload, as I stated earlier, um, anemia affects 2 billion people, whereas overload affects 35 million people. So it's common, it's just not as common as anemia. The difference is that an overload, if you leave it unchecked, it can be deadly. So iron you know, causes oxidative stress. So you know how metal rusts, that's basically oxidative stress. 
it does kind of the same thing to our bodies. It can basically cause organ damage to tissues such as the heart, the lung, liver, and brain. So some early symptoms of iron overload can include extreme fatigue, joint pain, impotence or loss of libido, skin bronzing, palpitations, depression, or abdominal pain. What causes this? What causes iron overload? Uh, so probably the most well-known one, the most common is hemochromatosis, which is a genetic mutation. Uh, unfortunately, people go on average of nine years before being diagnosed with hemochromatosis. You're living with this. It's doing sort of this oxidative stress, and you don't even know it. Uh, and unfortunately, iron panels are, are iron panels are not typically included in blood work. I mean, may, they might check your serum iron, but you'll see that's the least sensitive marker. Uh, if it's borderline high, it can cause some significant problems. It's usually ignored, unfortunately. Uh, many who are told to take iron are not told to stop, and they develop iron overload. So you have to be careful with iron supplementation. Even 250 milligrams of iron can poison a small child. And then uh, men are typically more affected by iron overload than women because they just accumulate iron over their lifetime. So some genes that are indicated for iron overload include C282Y, and H63D. These are, the, these are the most common mutations that we know about, but there's been over 20 other mutations that have been identified uh, and they're still being studied. Uh, and there's a bit of a myth that you have to be homozygous for these two genes to be at risk. Um, you know, being homozygous will provide a greater risk, but there is still risk if you are heterozygous for one of these. Or if you're heterozygous for both, uh, it can make you even more at risk. So if you've done 23andMe, there is a way to determine if you're at risk, but it's not very straightforward. So I'll put a link to a form that will guide you through the process of determining from your DNA tests if you are at risk uh, for hemochromatosis. Some other causes of iron overload include prolonged iron supplementa supplementation, beta thalassemia, sickle cell anemia, alcohol abuse, and viral hepatitis. Uh, alcohol increases iron absorption. The other thing, too, is that iron overload is associated with metabolic conditions that affect the liver, metabolic syndrome, gout, cardiovascular disease, neurologic issues, endocrine problems, immune imbalances, and infections of all types, and even some musculoskeletal disorders. Um, there is actually a high association between iron overload and developing diabetes. In fact, that uh, frequent blood donors have decreased iron levels, decreased blood pressure and heart rate, uh, decreased fasting glucose, hemoglobin A1C, and the LDL to HDL ratio. All of these are metabolic uh, markers. So, speaking of, let's get into the markers. So, serum iron, I kind of mentioned, that's the least sensitive marker. That's because only about 1% of the total iron in the body is actually floating around in the serum. That's what serum iron looks for. Um, but, if, you're, if you do have that, it's going to typically be low in anemia and high in overload. But you have to correlate this to other markers. So ferritin is the most sensitive marker for iron status. So ferritin is a storage molecule for iron. It stores something like 4,500 uh, atoms of iron. Um, but here's the thing. All life needs some iron to survive. Uh, this includes viruses, bacterial path uh, pathogens. So if you have an infection, the body kind of wisely locks the ferritin, uh, locks, sorry, the iron up into the ferritin to protect you from infection so the pathogens can't replicate. 
So if, it can be elevated when you're inflamed, so you have to kind of consider this. You can use some other markers of inflammation, such as C-reactive protein, to correlate it to see if you are in an inflamed state. Uh, also, if you are anemic and you're inflamed, which is often the case, ferritin may appear normal, sort of a washout effect. Again, you could use C-reactive protein to confirm that you are in an inflamed state. So the next two sensitive markers are transferrin saturation, which would be low for anemia and high for overload, and UIBC, or unsaturated iron binding capacity. This one is actually an inverse marker, so it'll be high in anemia and low in overload. Transferrin transports iron around the body, whereas UIBC is a measure of how much additional iron could potentially be transported. So when it's high, there is an excess capacity to transport iron because there's not enough iron available. That's why it's an inverse marker. There are some other markers that may go out of the norm, such as RDW, TIBC, and soluble transferrin receptor. But I don't want to get too deep in the weeds. I want to keep this simple. The take-home is that ferritin is the most sensitive marker, and it needs to be correlated with inflammatory markers. So, uh, as promised, I'm going to go over some of my markers uh, when it comes to my iron panel. And unfortunately, like most iron panels, I only had one marker measured that was ferritin. And it was high. It was, around, it was 349. The functional range is 30 to 200. And then the norm, normative lab range goes up to 400. So this would be considered normal in the conventional lab ranges, but definitely out of whack for the functional range. Again, this is why I like the functional approach. When I look at my other markers, some of my other like blood sugars were significantly elevated, no, sorry, slightly elevated in the functional range, but considered normal in the lab range, as well as the cholesterol numbers and liver enzymes. So they're all kind of slightly elevated in the functional range. And again, these are all metabolic markers. So it's entirely possible that elevated iron may be causing these other markers to go out of range. And luckily, I'm catching this early, so I can make some dietary and lifestyle, lifestyle adjustments before things become irreversible. Also, my GGT, which stands for gamma glutamyl transpeptidase, was elevated. So GGT is an enzyme, and it's part of the cycle that produces glutathione. Glutathione, I've talked about this in other podcasts before, it's the master antioxidant. So in states where you have high oxidation, this can be a sign that glutathione is being catabolized. The GGT is an important marker, and when this is elevated with iron, it can be a predictor of early mortality. So there is a quiz you can take. It's called the FEGGT Life Pro, which basically evaluates your risk of metabolic and cardiovascular disease. So I put a link uh, to a calculator. It's on my website. And it can help you determine if you're at disease risk. Uh, just a shout out to Chris Kresser because that's where I got this link from. So if I was going off these normative lab ranges, this could have progressed and I could probably would have been put on a statin for cholesterol and insulin for diabetes. And these are not without their uh, repercussions. So this would be a symptom-based treatment and doesn't really address the underlying cause. Now, you know, if the, my theory being that iron is the underlying issue here or maybe the, the biggest issue. I probably have some other ones as well. Uh, so this is just a hypothesis. I'll make some changes, and then I'll uh, retest and see where my numbers land. So here comes my action plan. It consists mostly of dietary changes. So I'm going to limit foods high in iron, which includes shellfish and organ meats, uh, which is a bummer because I love both of those. I'll stop using my cast iron skillet because you can absorb iron from that. 
I'm going to limit some substances that can increase iron absorption, such as alcohol, vitamin C, because that can increase your iron absorption fourfold, beta carotene, which is found in apricots, beets, carrots, grapes, red peppers, spinach, and tomatoes, and refined sugar. Refined sugar, that's not going to be a hard one. I don't really like sweets, so it's going to be easy. Um, I'm going to increase things that inhibit absorption of iron, which could include calcium. All right, so I'll drink more kefir and have more cheese, which is good. I like those things. Um, I will increase my oxalates to some degree. I generally avoid oxalates because of the increase for kidney stones, increased risk for kidney stones. But I'll have some in the form of tea. Uh, polyphenols, uh, which are found in berries and coffee, so I'll have some more of that. And phytates, phytates which are found in almonds, walnuts, and peas. And eggs, which is also something I already consume a lot of. They contain something called phosphitin, which also inhibits iron absorption. Okay, so if you're anemic, you'd basically want to just reverse that plan. So if you're anemic, you want to avoid calcium, oxalates, polyphenols, phytates, and eggs. And you want to increase your vitamin C and beta carotene. So that's, in a nutshell, uh, the, iron, <laughs> the iron panel and what you need to know about it. It goes way more into depth. This is a huge topic. Uh, I love talking about this stuff. So if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at chris at dynamicnaples.com. And that's all I have for you today. Thanks. Why guess when you can test? Do you get hangry or crash after a carb-heavy meal? These could be indicators that there is a dysfunction in your blood glucose regulation. If left unchecked, it can lead to irreversible changes. If you catch it quick enough, you can make diet and lifestyle changes that will get your levels where they need to be. 88% of Americans are pre-diabetic and don't know it. Diabetes underpins many of the pathologies we deal with in this country, such as obesity, high blood pressure, heart disease, and stroke. For some reason, it is rarely screened with your physician, and if they do test for blood glucose, it's usually with an A1C or a fasting glucose, which can sometimes give you a false negative. NutriSense is a company that supplies continuous glucose monitors. We've paired with NutriSense to get you real-time data to see how your physiology responds to glucose. The NutriSense app lets you track your daily activity to see how food, sleep, exercise, and stress impact your glucose. You can log or import this data into the NutriSense app to see the effect on your blood glucose levels as soon as it happens. Use the code DRCHRIS25 for $25 off your order today. Do you have unexplained pain? Or do you wonder just how healthy you are? When was the last time you had your blood tested? Blood chemistry analysis is a great tool to stay ahead of any health conditions. And now you can have control of your health with Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked is an incredible company that sends blood tests to your home. You can choose from over 30 different tests, whether that's thyroid function, testosterone, micronutrient, cholesterol, or C-reactive protein, which is a marker for inflammation. It is sent to you with free shipping and you get your results in two to five days. No physician referral needed. Use the code DPT25 for 25% off. You can find links in the show notes. Did you know that you can get started with physical therapy without a physician's referral? Physical therapists don't just solve pain. We get down to the root cause and keep it from coming back. We also discuss all things health, such as nutrition and lifestyle changes. If you feel that you could use some help, let's get on a free consult call go to www.dynamicnaples.com and sign up for a free call. Also, if you like this podcast, please give us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us spread the message. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.